Luke chapter 2, if you will, Luke chapter 2, we see this morning what the townspeople could have saw, what they saw. We've seen what Simeon saw, we saw what Anna saw, we saw, of course, what the shepherds saw, but now today we'll see what, of course, the townspeople could have seen. They were searching, they were looking for help, for an answer, they were under much oppression. To the affluent person or the successful person, they may not have felt it as much, but for the common town person, the shepherds, Mary and Joseph, Simeon and Anna, they no doubt felt the oppression of that time. But of course, they probably saw maybe God's sovereign plan. This morning, through the familiar Christmas story, which I have heard years and years and years since I was born, I want us to kind of see how God is sovereign and how God was behind all this. We'll look at several settings this morning, but two things that God promised his people, amongst many others, was in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, where the Messiah would be born, as was quoted earlier, but thou, Bethlehem, Euphrata. He also promised that the Messiah would come from David's lineage in Isaiah 11.1, 1, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And though there was complete domination by most of the world by the Roman Empire, and many thought they were in control, and what they decided to do was just what you had to do, that was just life. But to those who knew their God, they could see that God was ultimately in control. So number one, if you're writing this morning, we'll see five different settings to the Christmas story. And I want us to see, first of all, the supreme setting. The supreme setting. The Bible says in verse number one of Luke chapter two, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This decree was a law. It was commanding that a thing would be done. The Bible says all the world. Literally at that point, Julius Caesar had taken Rome to new heights and had conquered most of the Mediterranean world. He had conquered so many areas. The vast empire of Rome was so big. But one thing he wanted to put in place, the Bible says, a decree from Caesar Augustus that the world should be taxed. A registration this was, not necessarily a taxing like we think of, but you had to register your property, your home, you had to show them how much wealth you had, you had to show them how many people were living in your home, then to make sure every single person from every province of Rome would be carefully counted, they had to go back to their roots, they had to go to their hometown. And we see that Julius Caesar kind of started all this, but he is assassinated, and his domination and his dictatorship passed on to Caesar, Augustus, which was also known as Octavian. Also, it was split up between Mark Antony and Marcus Lepidus, and they were going to kind of share the responsibilities of taking care of this great empire until Marcus Lepidus decided to attack Mark Antony. I'm sorry, Mark Antony attacked Marcus Lepidus, and then uh, Octavian ended up having to just take over them both and ended up becoming the savior, if you will, of the, emp- of the empire. Though many people looked at him as a savior, he was actually very harsh to the common people. And he used King Herod to kind of 
oversee this area of Judah where Mary and Joseph and the wise men who eventually came and the shepherds and the townspeople were. He heavily, heavily taxed these people and he controlled the temple, obviously impacting Simeon and Anna's life. And he had a ruthless reputation. He executed three of his sons, according to history. And then he ends up slaughtering all the baby boys when the wise men come and ask who the king of the Jews was. This, of course, cost most much frustration to the common people. And it seems that Octavian had the world under his thumb. He had control over everything, through Herod, through the soldiers. He was in control, but little did he know that that thumb was actually being controlled by God himself. Because his decree, his taxation, his registration was actually helping Joseph and Mary get to the very place that he had prophesied 500 years before that they'd be born. I just say this morning that oftentimes we think, God, are you really in control? Well, David Jeremiah answers this question as he writes about Chicago O'Hare's International Airport. It's the world's busiest airport as far as aircraft movements, landing and takeoffs. In 2014, 2,416 flights per day would either land or take off. That's 101 flights per hour. That's 1.7 planes per minute. Can you imagine the job of the flight controllers to prevent chaos? Yet every time I've flown into Chicago O'Hare, which has been many times, I've never worried, are we going to run into another plane? Can you imagine 7.2 billion people plus all being controlled, all being taken care of by God? God is working, the Bible says in Ephesians 1.11, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. And we see in the Gospels that when a sparrow falls, God takes notes. He knows every detail of your life. In Psalms 139.16, the Bible says, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written. Even though many thought Octavian had full control, God was actually in control. May I encourage us today, in the world that we feel like maybe has some chaos, that God is still on the throne and is still in control. So we see the supreme setting. This supreme setting caused much frustration, much turmoil, much trial to these common townspeople. But we see the submissive setting, number two, the submissive setting. Let's look at a pair of people who decided to submit, yes, to the government. They did their civic duty. But they submitted, more importantly, to their God. The Bible says in verse number three, And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. The Bible says in verse number four, And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. The Bible says in verse number five, To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Can you imagine? Mary, of course, has to go as well. Can you imagine her getting the news? She's great with child. In other words, she's about ready to have her baby. My wife has done that four times. 
And I know when my wife was great with child. I'll never forget the day. We were just getting settling in for the night for our firstborn. I had driven all night before. I had worked all day. I had done this softball activity with the men at night. And I was starting to feel the effects of being out of shape. My eyes were getting heavy. And about the time I started softly snoring, I heard it. It's time! No. It's time in 12 hours from now when I'm wide awake, you know. Great with child, Mary was. People say it could have been up to 37 miles away to Bethlehem on a donkey. This summer, I got the wonderful joy of riding a supposedly horse in Honduras. I don't know what the animal was, but it resembled a little bit of a horse. Not the John Wayne movies, that's for sure. And uh, I got talked into doing it by some awesome teens And I said, okay, I'll do this with you. I got on that horse, and whatever that saddle was, didn't even have a saddle horn. And away we go, downhill. And my horse, I think he just enjoyed making it even harder for me. He walked along the edge, and literally every step acted like he was going to step over. And it wasn't two feet. It's hundreds of feet. Maybe even thousands. Sure it was. It felt like it to me. And the best part of that whole trip was getting off that horse. (laughs) Now, I've never been pregnant. I never will be. But I can only imagine how that ride must have been. And can you imagine the dismay of Mary to find out she's got to go. She's got to go to Bethlehem. She was submissive to their government, but second of all, she was submitted to their God. This all was happening because God had orchestrated it. And several months before, Mary and Joseph had realized that they had been put in a situation they were uncomfortable with. They they didn't understand. They weren't sure about. But they got the reassurance from God. The Bible says in Matthew 1, verse 19... Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Joseph is thinking he's got to put away Mary because they're not married yet and she's with child and I'm just going to have to put her away and move on with life. But the Bible says in Matthew 1 verse 20 that the angel of the Lord came and said, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth the Son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. And when Joseph heard those words, what does he do? He goes from thinking, I can't do this, to... He did as the Lord had bidden him. May I encourage us today that oftentimes doing God's will doesn't always make sense. It isn't always how we would decide to do it. But Joseph learned to submit to God. Now we see what actually happened. And having known that news, if any of us would have been in his shoes, we would have been said, sign me up. I want to be the father of baby Jesus. But Joseph had no idea 
What was going to happen? May I say, we often, we never can see the end, but we can always see Jesus Christ with us each step of the way. We see not only Joseph, but Mary also submitted to God. In the midst of fear and astonishment, in Luke 1, verse 28, And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art hardly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are amongst women. Mary's young and poor and female. And all of these characteristics in her town, with, if you will, of her day, would have met, many people would have thought she'd been unusable. But you know what? God says, No, I have a task for you. In verse 29, And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. She started worrying. And by the way, she started thinking the worst possible thing that could happen. Have you ever been there before? But what happens? The angel of the Lord chose Mary. Of course, God chose Mary for one of the most important acts of obedience. The Bible says in verse 30, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And just like Mary, you too may feel your ability, your experience, or your lack of education makes you an unlikely candidate for God's service. But we learn from Mary that we do not need to limit God's choices or God's guidance. He can use you if you trust in him. So what does Mary do? Well, she submits. The Bible says, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, she says, be it according to thy word. May I encourage us today that though it doesn't seem right, maybe, or though it doesn't seem like it makes sense, or though sometimes we're troubled or fearful or worried, we can always trust God that he is in control and that he is going to take care of us. Several years ago, there was a captain of a ship and he looked into the dark night and saw faint lights in the water ahead. And he had his signal man send a message to this light and says, alter your course 10 degrees south. Promptly a message was received. The person who received the message said, no, you alter your course 10 degrees north. The captain was angered. His command had been ignored. He was not used to people ignoring him. So he sent another message, alter your course 10 degrees south. I am the captain. Soon the message was received and it came back, alter your course 10 degrees north. I am seaman, third class Jones. Immediately the captain was getting very frustrated and upset. He sent a third message, knowing the fear it would evoke. He says, alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. Well, the reply came back, alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a lighthouse. (laughs) And in the midst of our dark and foggy times, all sorts of voices are shouting orders to us, are they not? Telling us what to do or how to adjust our lives. May I encourage us today that out of the darkness, there's one voice that signals something quite opposite to the rest. Something that many people think is almost absurd. But the voice happens to be the light of the world. Jesus Christ. But how often do we ignore it at our very own peril? That was Paul L.O. Jr.'s quote. May I encourage us today? I've been there. I'm sure you've been. Don't know what to do. God, what are you doing? I think you should do this, God. And God says, no, alter your course. 
No, 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 you're wrong. God says, no, I'm right. I'm the creator of the world. I created you. Alter your course. We see, first of all, the supreme setting. Man, it was oppression. Octavian seemed to have full control. But no, 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 no. God was in control. A submissive setting. Here's Mary and Joseph who were troubled. They wanted nothing to do with this at first. But they trusted God. And God started doing a work in their lives. But the third setting I want us to see this morning in the Christmas story is the stable setting. The stable setting. The Bible says in verse number 6, And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. We start seeing that this was intended by God. Bishop Paul says this, Every creature walks blindfolded. Only he that dwells in the light knows whether they go. Do you realize when we were lost in sin, we had a hard time discerning a lot of things. But when we got saved, our eyes were opened. We became a new creature. And the closer we stay to God, the better we can see the truth. But the farther we slip away from God, the more we struggle discerning between the two. It is no mystery why our world is in the strait it is today. Or our country is making some of the decisions it is. When you kick God out of the school, when you kick God out of the courthouse, and even when some kick God out of their lives, why would you, why would you choose the truth? Why would you follow after righteousness? But it's interesting to me that Mary goes, Joseph goes, to the very place that was intended by God. And before the registration's done, before they load back up on that donkey and head back, the baby is born. Psalms 118, verse 23, the Bible says, This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. How oftentimes have you thought, God is stable, really? This is not good timing. You want me to go witness to that person today? Right now? I'm in a hurry. But when we follow the Holy Spirit's prompting, how often is it that we can say, like the psalmist, this is the Lord's doing and marvelous in his eyes. May I encourage us today, in the stable setting of our life, when we wonder, God, what are you doing? Realize it's probably intended by God. But second of all, oftentimes it can be inconvenient as it was to Mary and Joseph. The Bible says in verse 7, And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. It's interesting to me that God did not soften Joseph's bumpy road, but instead he chose to strengthen him. God did not provide a luxurious inn, but instead a humble stable and manger. Could you imagine maybe being Mary and thinking, God, I'm doing exactly what you've told me to do. But you've had 500 years to plan for this. I mean, you picked out Bethlehem. <laughs> you, you, you picked out the lineage of, of David. You worked all that out. And the best you can do is not even give me uh, in a place to sleep? You mean the best you can do is a cave? Benson said that the caves in those days were not the nostalgic, traditional nativity scene you see today. No, it was probably a carved out cave that was cold, damp, and rainy, and it probably was the most uncomfortable place you could be. 
It was just enough to get out of the the wind, maybe, or the rain. Could you imagine being Mary and saying, Mary, or God, what are you doing? I mean, this is your son. This is Jesus Christ. But though it was inconvenient to Mary, though it was intended by God, they decided by faith to trust that God was in charge. And I find it interesting to me that it was also, though intended, though inconvenient, it was inclusive for us. Because when that baby was born in that cold, dark cave, it showed the world that no matter how poor you are or how wealthy you are, it doesn't matter that Jesus Christ is enough. He's all we need. And may I let that sink in your heart today as it sunk in mine this week. We live in America where we're used to comforts, you know. If it was five degrees colder in here or 10 degrees colder in here, we'd hear some complaints. If it was 10 degrees warmer in here, some of you would be shouting, praise the Lord. Others of you would be saying, how dare you do that? And you know what? I'm with you on that. I don't want to sweat while I preach. But you know, we live in a very climate-controlled, convenient America. But yet... May we never forget that Jesus Christ is enough for us. And so we see it was intended by God. It was inconvenient to Mary and Joseph, but it was inclusive for us. Pastor Norm Johnson tells a story about a man and his, who was working on witnessing to a bill. Bill was very sick. He was in the hospital And the pastor went by and visited him one day. And while he was there, the doctor came in and went up to Bill and said, Bill, you're as good as dead. And Norm looked at Bill and thought, wow, what awful bedside. I mean, come on. Could have said it a little nicer. But he left the room and Norm looked at Bill and says, Bill, you think maybe it's time to get things settled with God? And Bill said, yes. I want to turn to Christ. And so he gave his life to Christ. The next day, because the doctor said what he did, Norm and Bill worked it out to where they could move him to another hospital. When they got there, the doctor came and says, Bill, you're not dead yet, and I believe you have some hope. We're going to try a different medication. We're going to try some different therapy and just see what happens. Slowly but surely, Bill started healing And getting better. And eventually he was able to go home. And he said this to his pastor, Norm. He said, when you have nothing left but God, then for the first time, you become aware that God is enough. May I encourage you this morning that the stable taught Mary and Joseph that when you have nothing else but God, God is enough. And do you realize that this morning? Do you believe that this morning? When you have nothing else but God, God, you are enough. So we see the supreme setting. The townspeople could have been tired of the oppression, could have been frustrated with the trouble, could have been frustrated with the trial, but God was still controlling the thumb that was, in a sense, controlling them. But Mary and Joseph were submissive, and they doubted. They wondered, God, what are you doing? But God was quietly in control. 
We see the stable setting shows us that Jesus Christ, that God, is enough for you and me. It's all we need. But fourth of all, I want us to see another setting, and I call it the seeker setting. The seeker setting. What I mean by that is the shepherds were seeking God, but they didn't think he could be found. You see, the temple, the religious people would not allow them to go there because they were around sheep, they were around stinky animals, they were unclean, they were nothing more really than lepers. And the Romans really didn't want nothing from them except for whatever money they could squeeze out of them. They were considered worthless to them, and the shepherds had really nothing to look forward to. But one day, these common men who were worthy, worried men, worthless considered by the community, they were working men. One day, the Bible says in verse number 9, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone right about them, and they were sore afraid. But the angel didn't stop there. The angel told them, you need to go and see Jesus Christ, the Messiah is here. So these common men who were worried, who were considered worthless, and who were working, they became common men that who became claiming men. The Bible says in verse number 15, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go, even unto Bethlehem, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste. What happened? These men who were seeking, they didn't think they had any hope, any future. But when they heard from Jesus, they realized Jesus came in to seek and to save that which was lost. They came to seek everybody, not just the wealthy, not just the affluent, but the poor, the dejected, the worthless to society, the townspeople, the common people. Jesus came for them, and they ran. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 13, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. We too, maybe you feel common. Maybe you feel worthless. Maybe you feel worried. Maybe you just work, and you just feel like you're not. What do I have to offer? The Bible says, if you'll seek me, you'll find me. Jesus wants to reveal himself to you just like he does to anyone else. Years ago, there was a story about Joni Erickson, Tata. She was a prolific author and artist, but she was in a very terrible accident and made her become a quadriplegic. But in, in spite of all that, she still continued her career and still became very successful. But over 25 years ago, she married her husband, Ken. And for her wedding, she had planned to come down the aisleway in a, in a motorized uh, wheelchair. And she was going to come down there. And when she was up, the doors were about ready to go down. Her heart was just broken. She looked down and realized she, her dress had gotten caught under her wheel and there was a grease stain on it. It had gotten a rip in it. Her flowers that she held in her hand, she had kind of dropped them and they were all over the place and she just looked a mess. And she thought, oh no, I could never go down the aisle. I could never face Ken. But then those doors opened and she looked into the face of a smiling man who had asked him, her to marry him. And at that moment, she said, once I saw Ken's face, all I could think of was him. Everything else, the people in the church, the flowers that were sitting a little askew on my lap, the fact that my dress didn't fall right because I was sitting in a wheelchair, the grease marks, the rip, it all paled in comparison 
Because I saw in his face that he wanted me for who I was right then. And may I say today, when we see Christ, he will be all that matters to us. If we're not careful, I'm as guilty as anyone else in this room, we can become distracted by other things. But may we never forget, and what the shepherds remind us, that Jesus Christ is enough. Not more wealth, even though the shepherds could have used it. Not more acceptance, even though we love to be accepted. Not more affluence or more power. Or more No, no, no. They were happy because they got to see Jesus and that Jesus wanted to be their heavenly father. May I encourage you today that Jesus Christ can be enough for you this Christmas. What happens when these shepherds feel this? What happened to Mary and Martha when, I mean Mary and Joseph when they saw? What happened to Simeon and Anna when they saw? Oh, we see last fall number five, a satisfied setting. A satisfied setting. The Bible says, And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. We see they were satisfied through wonder. The Bible says in verse number 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Could you imagine being Mary and watching as she saw the decree that had come down, the, the, the power, the, the frustration that had come from above, and, and she was wondering why? Why did I have to go all the way to Bethlehem now? And as she submitted to Jesus, the angel, when the angel said, hey, you're going to be the one, and okay, I'm deeply troubled, I'm not... Not worthy, but I will do it. And then she watched as she had to go to a stable and couldn't even got a warm bed to deliver her baby in. And then she watched as these common shepherd who were religious outcasts, society outcasts. No one cared for them. No one wanted them. And could you imagine when they came in that day and saw baby Jesus, their faces lit up. They were excited. They were happy. They were joyful. They were singing. They couldn't wait to go and tell everybody that they had saw Jesus. Can you imagine as she pondered all this in her heart and she couldn't help but reflect and say, wow, God, you truly are amazing. This is great. Your plan is perfect. Well, not only through wonder, but we see through their worship. The Bible says in verse 20, and as the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God, we see the shepherds worshiped God. They were truly satisfied because they had seen Jesus We see the servants, Mary and Joseph. Of course, the Bible says, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Joseph, as the Lord had bidden them. We see they were servants of God. They too were willing to go and worship God. The Bible says in verse 21, And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name called Jesus. Circumcision symbolized, it was something they did as Jews, symbolized Jews' separation from the Gentiles. Not that they were better, but that it showed that they had a unique relationship with God. We see they also, the redemption of the firstborn in verse number uh, 24. Uh, we see the parents acknowledge that the child belonged to God. And then the last thing they did in worship at the temple was a purification of the mother. For 40 days, the mother was unclean and could not go into the temple after she'd had a baby. baby. But on that 40th day, Mary and Joseph were there on that day. And when they got there, their obedience of worship allowed Simeon to have his promise realized. The Bible says in verse 28, Then took he up in his arms and blessed God and said, According to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. 
He shares with them that the gospel is rooted in God's faithfulness. The gospel is global and the gospel is glorious news. This small child that Simeon holds was going to be a light to the Gentiles, not just for the Jews, but the whole world from the past and the present and to the future. Not only were the shepherds rejoicing, not only were, were the servants worshiping, not only was Simeon worshiping, but the saint, the Bible says in verse 38, and she, this is Anna, coming in at that instance, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. These common people that didn't have much, had to put up with a lot, didn't have the comfort, easy life. They had difficulties, they had trials, but they were truly satisfied when they saw Jesus. Years ago, there was a story about a daughter of a New York rabbi. She says, My father taught me to read the Bible in Hebrew as a young child. We began at Genesis, and when we came to Isaiah, he skipped the 53rd chapter. I asked him why. He said, It is not necessary for Jews to read that chapter. I became more curious. I asked him who it was for. He said, that chapter is for Christians. Well, she says, why would God put unnecessary things in the Bible? He became angry and told her to be quiet. She wondered why God would put unnecessary things. And so she copied that 53rd chapter on paper and carried it in her stocking for two years. Until she came to America, the free country. She looked at that paper every night and every chance she could without being seen. In fact, in her words, she says, I took better care of that paper than people take care of their money. Well, through reading this wonderful chapter, she said, I was led to accept Christ as my Savior. She says, I was walking in New York one day and heard a lady reading this chapter. She explained that it referred to Jesus Christ. She said, that day I realized that it satisfied me completely. What did she read? Well, Isaiah 53 verse 3 says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He is despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded. For our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know what she read? She read the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came for one reason, to seek and to save that which was lost. You say, well, who's that? The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says for all have sinned and come short. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Do you realize this morning, just like this young girl realized, that without Jesus Christ, we have no hope. Without Jesus Christ, we can never be complete. Without Jesus Christ, we can never be truly satisfied. But when Jesus Christ comes into our life, he makes all the difference. The Bible says, but God commendeth, God gave his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you believe this morning as this young girl that Jesus Christ was willing to be beaten, 
was willing to be hung on a cross, was willing to be mutilated, not even look like a man, as he pulled himself up and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then he cried, it is finished. Why? Because he conquered death, hell, and the grave. Do you realize this morning that Jesus Christ came for you and for me? Will you invite Jesus Christ in your life today? By the way, he will make you complete. And he wants to be your Lord and Savior. You can't give the excuse that you're not smart enough. Or you're not good enough. Or or, or you're not rich enough. Because the shepherds were just rejected. They were forgotten. They were cast aside. But Jesus came to them. By the way, Jesus also came for Herod and Octavian. But they chose not to accept him. It's your choice today. Will you give your life to Christ? Second of all, will you put your life in God's hands? Not just as your Savior, but will you, in the submissive setting, when God's working on you to try to get you where he wants you to be, will you give in to him? In the stable setting, when you wonder what God is doing, God, I I thought the Christian life would be more comfortable. I thought the Christian life would be more easy, but it's hard. I'm fighting the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's not easy. Why? God says, because I want you to learn that I am enough and that you can put your faith and trust solely in me and you can spend time with me and you can lean on me to help you through this. And then may we also continue to seek Jesus as the shepherds did. And may we never forget that through Jesus Christ, we're truly satisfied and content. And like Simeon, we can say, all right, Lord, I'm ready to go because I have you. Anna says, hey, when everybody came to the temple to pray, it was packed. She said, hey, everyone who's looked for redemption, it is here. Jesus is here. And as Mary and Joseph, may we rest in him. I, as Mary pondered, Christ, you are enough. Is Jesus enough for you? Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. I don't want to embarrass anyone. In fact, I've asked everyone to bow their head and close their eyes for a reason. There could be someone here today that would say, you know what, Pastor Justin? I'll be honest with you. I don't know Jesus Christ as my Savior. The fact that he would come and God would create this sovereign plan for me, for me, little old me, I, I, I can resonate with those shepherds. I, I, I'm, I would love to give my life to him. You realize he died for you and paid for your punishment so you go to heaven. Maybe you would say, Pastor Justin, that's me. I don't want to embarrass you. No one's looking around but me. I just want to pray for you. Will you slip up your hand real quick? I want to pray for you if that's you. You say, I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to begin a relationship with him. I want to know for sure, without a doubt, that I can be in heaven someday. I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Would you pray for me, Pastor Justin? Will you just slip your hand real quick right now? I want to pray for you. Anybody today, maybe in the balcony, maybe on the main floor, you say, that's me, I see that hand. God bless you. Maybe there's someone else today that would join this young man over here to my left. That's me. That's me, Pastor Justin. I want to invite Jesus Christ in my life. If you just raise your hand, say something like this in your heart. Say, dear Jesus... I know I'm a sinner and I deserve to go to hell but I don't want to go there. Lord, I believe and trust in you. Please come into my heart and save me so I can go to heaven when I die. Thank you, Jesus.
with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer and you meant that with your heart, you invited Jesus Christ in your life. Will you raise your hand if that was you? I want to, pray. I want to rejoice with you. That was you. God bless you. God bless you. Lord, you see the hands. You know the hearts. I pray that he'll know right now. He'll fill your comfort, Lord. He'll fill your presence right now. Maybe there is someone that would say, you know what, Pastor Justin, whether it's put, realizing that you're in control, God's in control, whether it's a submitting season I'm in right now or I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to wonder what God's doing, or maybe the stable setting where uh, I'm learning, God is teaching me that Jesus is enough, or maybe it's a seeking season. Maybe I'm just seeking God and his will, or maybe it's a satisfied season that I want to feel that complete, that I know that I'm resting in God's care. Somewhere along the line, Pastor Justin, the Lord touched my heart today. Will you pray for me in the service today? If that's you, we slew up your hand. I want to pray for you. Anybody today? God bless you. God bless you. Lord, you see the hands. You know the hearts. Thank you for the one who gave their life to you today. Be with those who are maybe dealing with something that the message brought forth. Maybe it's something totally different than what I brought out, but maybe you convicted their hearts. Maybe you challenged them. May you comfort them. Lord, I pray you help them bless this invitation time in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand to your feet, the piano is going to play. If you could just stand to your feet, the, really the altar is open. Piano will be here in just a minute. But if God has spoken to your heart today, our, uh, our staff are down here. They'd love to pray with you. Maybe you'd like to follow Lord and, and, and just make it public that you're, you're saved. Maybe you'd like to follow Lord in baptism. Baptism is an inward expression, uh, outward expression of your inward decision. Maybe you'd like to follow the Lord in baptism today. Maybe you'd like to place your membership here. If you'd like to come forward at this time, we'd love to talk to you about that and make that public. Let me encourage you just to spend a moment there in prayer as God has touched your heart. And just take a moment and just pray for each other, maybe. Maybe a need in your heart this morning. We'll just have a a, a simple invitation today. No music. We'll just have a simple invitation. If God has spoken to your heart today, May I encourage you to just take a moment there in prayer. May I encourage you maybe to come forward if God's touched your heart or maybe you'd like to make a decision. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. You're sure our great God. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord, to us. I thank you for the Christmas story, that it's not just a cool story, but it, Lord, is this true, and that you orchestrated it all, or like only you could. Lord, I pray that we'll learn a few things today and take it with us today as we go out and about and get prepared for the Christmas season. Lord, I pray that we'll remember what Christmas is all about. May you be enough for us. Thank you for all you do for us, Lord. Your love and mercy and grace is new each morning. And I pray that you'll minister to us like only you can. And may we be a blessing. And may we share the good news of Christmas with others, Lord, this year. And I pray you'll help us to have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, Vern and Velma Emra. Uh, have come forward this morning. 
they part of our sorting point class, and, and they feel like God's leading them to put their membership here. And so can you raise your hand back there? I think everyone knows who you are, but there they are. All in favor of, of letting the Emras join our church say aye. All right, it carries. And you're a part of us. God bless you. We look forward to serving the Lord together. Yes, give them a hand. And we're excited to have them. And uh, we're sure thankful for their family. And uh, what a blessing they are. Uh, they always encourage me. And I know they encourage so many others. Thank you for your years of faithfulness to the Lord. We look forward to serving the Lord together in the future. And enjoyed meeting some of your family, too, as well today. Thank you for coming. Um, as well. We have a video we're going to share and uh, with just a few announcements and at this time, and then we'll be dismissed this morning. Good morning and thank you for joining us today. We hope this morning's sermon from Pastor Layman was a blessing to you. Join us tonight at 5 for a powerful evening service with our youth pastor, T.J. Gardner. We are raising funds for our new family center. A large donor has promised to match the first $70,000 that comes in between now and the end of the year. So join us in being a part of the special giving opportunity for our gym. Realm is our online church database system. This powerful system allows study school teachers to communicate better with class members. Connect with others in your group, stay informed, and up-to-date on upcoming events in your class and our church all through Realm. Signing up to use Realm is simple. A scheduled email invite will be sent tomorrow morning for everyone who has an email address in our database. Check your inbox or spam folder and click the link to get signed in. For questions or more information, I'll be at the welcome desk following the service to help you. Mark your calendars for the Christmas Eve candlelight service that will take place on Saturday, December 24th at 5 p.m. Join us as we celebrate the birth of our Savior. Please note that there will be only one shortened service on Christmas Day at 10.30 a.m. and on New Year's Day at 10.30 a.m. Make plans to join us for an exciting Share the Vision service on Sunday morning, January 15th with Pastor Justin, who will share his goals and exciting plans for the new year. We want you to stay connected at Grandview Baptist Church. To make this easier, we have a text and email service that can help you receive information about upcoming events, prayer requests, and important church updates. To sign up for the church text and e-messenger emails, stop by the welcome desk to fill out a connect card, or sign up online at grandviewcares.com and click connect. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon and we'll see you tonight at 5. Okay, can we just take one quick moment and every week this month for I saw we had someone um, do a drama for us and they put many, many hours in that. So we thank all those who did that and we appreciate that. Wasn't that special? And uh, it just helped make make it even more special for us. So thank you for all those who put in the time and effort. What a blessing that is. Uh, seniors, don't forget, um, Best Years Club, I'm sorry, you'll have a potluck right over here. And then, of course, a special uh, Christmas party on the bus for everyone else. I hope you have a great day. If you're visiting with us, we want to get to know you and connect with you. Please stop by and say hello. You are dismissed.